When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, I think he's the type of person that doesn't care about anything except, you know, getting in the net and competing. Uh, you know, there, I, there's nothing, uh, uh, you know, there's no uh, no stress. There's no, you know, um, any type of maintenance. It's just, he just goes about his business. Capo. Capo. <sighs> Dean. <sighs> I guess he does Creed things Bratton. well. Creed Bratton. I guess he's, yeah, he is so he's Creed. Creed. He is so Creed. He'd be great in the office. Is he basically saying that, uh, that Capo is the most meditative, stress-free goalie in the NHL right now? Since, uh, since Backstrom. Th- those Finns, my man, they are, they are some laid-back dudes. The Finns are very laid-back. They're not high, but they seem like they might because they're so laid-back. What's the Mount Rushmore of, of Minnesota Wild Finnish huh. players? Oh, Koivu? Koivu. Koivu? Backstrom? Is Granlin Finnish? Granlin's Finnish, right? Granlin's Finnish, yeah. I think, I think he probably Finnish. is on there. Hold on, let me see where Granlund is is listed as first, being from. First, first, you're a Russian, then European, then you're a Finnish. Yeah, there you go. Oh boy. Ba- oh. Well, Backstrom also played against Capo in the Finn League after after Backstrom retired from the NHL, and Capo was coming up through uh, through amateur leagues. So yeah, actually and Capo must have been like six at the time. Um, I think it was like almost a 19 year difference. Yeah, he's from uh, our guy Granlund's from a town O U L U. Oh yeah, O U L U. Olia, Olia, Finland. Yeah. So yes, he'd be on <laughs> so, the rush more too. So another win last night for the Wild, uh, Declan. You were texting us some interesting stats about. I'm going to call him the new starting and franchise goalie at this point. I don't know if I don't know if the Wild are fully ready to do that, but that's what we're going to call him on the show. Uh, give us, give our audience the stats that you threw out to us via text last. Yeah. Night. So. Obviously, Koppel's been on a roll here. He's won seven in a row, but I was a little curious just on where he also falls in some other save percentage stats. So minimum 600 minutes played. So that's still not maybe the same amount of like number ones. Like Flurry's playing almost over a thousand, has played over a thousand minutes so far. But Capo has registered 60, uh, 600 minutes. I think he's made now 14 starts, 13 appearances or so on the season. But right now, five on five save percentage, 93, uh, 93%. That's fifth in the NHL. Uh, high danger save percentage is six in the NHL and then goal saved above average. So this is kind of a stat where Devin Dubnik really, really struggled last year. It's basically 
what goal saved above average tries to do. It's a measurement of the number of goals, or particularly goalies saved, based on his save percentage and shots against, given the average of both of those categories. So basically, can he make a league average save? Can can he can, like Devin Dubnik was always prone to making the fluke, allowing the fluky goal. So yeah, he would like he would stand on his head for a period, and then and then there would just be like a senseless goal from a bad angle or something, right? Exactly. So basically three of the more important save percentage stats, because save percentage can be a little bit misleading at times, but if you're looking at five on five, goal saved above average and high danger, he's in top six in all four of those categories, all three of those categories. I, I, I would think that high, this is this is non-hockey uh, expert guy of the three of us here, but I would think that if you're really good at preventing high danger chances, then that's probably a better mm-hmm. showcase of your skill set, right? Like yep. these are the hardest shots to stop. And he's one of the five best goalies to this point this season at stopping the hardest shots to stop. Correct. Right? Yeah. Like, like Marc-Andre Fleury right now. And I believe Vezilevsky are one and two. And you probably can make the case. Both of them are the two best goaltenders in the NHL this year. So, and then maybe, and, and yeah, actively right now. So the only, the only area where he struggles in his power play, he's, he's, he does struggle on the power play. And on the flip side, Cam Talbot has been one of the only good players against the power play. And goalies are random. This is like this is a perfect example that goaltending is completely kind of can be random. But Kapo Kakinen, I think, right now has the leg up. If you were to go into a playoff series, wow. he's, he's your game L- one and two L- starter. Literally, literally has the leg. I see what you did there with the leg, leg up. up. He starts. Leg up. He he damn well better start tomorrow. I'll tell you that he needs to start back to backs. Um. So here's what makes him good though, and, and here's what I like, and here's the thing that Dubnik. Lost completely. Stalock didn't have, and Stalock, to be clear, is a good backup. Like he is never meant to be. God did not put him on this earth to start. Okay, he put him on this earth to be a backup, which is fine. That that's his job, and I'm sure he's well compensated for it. But what Koppel has going for him that I absolutely love is this: Dubnik at his best or worst always seemed to me to be very active. So when when we talk about Koppel being calm, cool, and collected, yes. Mentality-wise, because he, he's a Finn, that is how they act, and that's great. But as far as on the ice, how does that translate? And here's how. Watch Capo play. And what Capo does for the most part is he's very quiet and he's very calm in goal. Dubnik could be at times a complete mess. Like, there was a lot going on, a lot of movements with Dubnik, a lot of – and some of it was great. I, I mean, for a long period of time, guys, he was outstanding. But if you watch Capo play, Capo has a very, very, I think, sound base for how he plays. And when he's playing his best, here's what you don't get. A ton of rebounds. Because those are what kill um, his position, right? Goaltenders get killed by what? Rebounds that go in front and guys get that and score. So I think the most important thing that we're seeing is Capo has the ability to have just a very sound, calm game, and and that is incredibly important because it it limits the potential ups and downs, highs and, and lows, and that, to me, is what makes him effective. Now, he's going to struggle at times, for sure, and I'm curious to see that, but this is what you hope for, which is stability, ability to control rebounds, and a style of play because the Dubnik thing that drove you crazy is when du- Dubnik went bad, it was like a three-ring circus broke out. Like, it was like all this <laughs> crap was going on. You're like, what's going on here? Just calm things down. Koppel has the ability, and I think this team plays a style that allows him to thrive. I think Cam Talbot is a nice goaltender. 
But he is a veteran who, for the most part, I think outside of one really good year with the Oilers, Cam Talbot has bounced around. And so what Capo brings you is at least the outside chance now, and I think it's becoming more and more realistic, that you might have a goaltender who you could definitely consider your one. I'm not saying he's there yet, but the guy has played extremely well. By the way, when you do a Google search for why are Finnish people so stoic, here are the first three results that pop up. This one's a, The first one's a BBC article that says why the Finns don't want to be happy. Uh, the next one's from Psychology Today, Global Psyche. No need for words. Finnish people are defined by silence. Okay. And then this one pops up. Why are Finns in general so reserved? And the uh, the explanation here is that the, through all ages, Finns have lived very densely packed. A single large kitchen might house three families. People would sleep almost cheek to cheek like sardines. And so for that reason, I would think that maybe they'd be more social in those settings because like you have to. Be I was going to say, why, why wouldn't you be more so? Or maybe you're just sick of people at that point. Koivu must have come from a family of 20 then. (laughs) For as stoic stoic and boring as Miko was, he he must have had the biggest family in the history of families. (laughs) So so here's, okay, just like to throw up a a quick caution alarm. Um, We have seen 23 game stretches, not only from a goaltending standpoint, but just to zoom out to to the whole team at large here. We've seen 23 game samples throughout the Parisian Suter era going back eight, nine years, even before that, right? When they were, when they missed the playoffs for like three straight years, where they'll play great for 23 games or 30 games or 35 games, oftentimes second half of the season to try and in their furious rally way catch up in the standings. So for you guys, at what point do you look at this and say, all right, they're getting better goaltending than expected? Um, they're getting some great play from young players. They still have some holes, but at what point do you look at this and say, okay, this team is further ahead of schedule than we thought, and they actually have a chance to maybe win a playoff series versus, oh, they're just sort of hot for 23 games. I think when it's mostly this month of March, too, you're going to see them play the Knights, and you're going to see them play the Avs a ton. Um, You bring up a good point that like guys like Josh Harding, Darcy Kemper, have all come around and, and played well. Even, you know, Brisgalov, when they traded for him, for God's sake, six, seven years ago, went on a nice run of a dozen games where he, like, stabilized things and helped him get into the playoffs. But I think with Capo, the pedigree is there. He was the AHL goalie of the year. There were some scouts that said in the summer, that, and that's why they didn't give him a, a starting job. And he honestly fell into the active roster because of Alex Stalock getting COVID. Um, I, I think the pedigree is there, and... If he can string together a, a nice string of performances here in March and April and then maybe show something in the playoffs too, because look, Devin Dubnik, not all those losses were on him, but Devin Dubnik at the end of the day lost like 75% of his playoff starts. And, and eventually, I know it, like people always say QB wins is not a stat, but goalie wins I think is a, like a goalie can steal you a game in the playoffs. They can get hot and carry you. So can Capo not fall apart in the postseason and continue this run of success in the regular season? I think that would be the measurement that I'm looking for if I was a Wild fan. So, you know, I actually like, not to say that what you just said is invalid, but I remember I think it was the Blues series, and I think Dubnik was the goalie for that five or six game series or whatever it was. And like, he actually put up a pretty ridiculous save percentage in that series, but the offense, like they scored like one goal a game or zero goals a game. So so just to give him a little bit of credit for, for sure. playing pretty well in those situations. But yeah, like um, 
in general, I think you're right that he he was a little. There's a little Kirk Cousins in him too, where oh, he yeah. the, things would just go sideways, or in the biggest games when you needed him the most, and you and you really needed him to only give up one on 33 shots, which sometimes you have to ask for in a playoff game. He wasn't the type of guy that really personality wise inspired the most confidence. All right, boys, what's the mission of this show now? Like it's changed, <laughs> it's morphed, right? The mission is what championships, right? This team is not there yet. I don't even think it's particularly close. But what they're doing is the right track. And this goes back beyond the goaltender. This goes back beyond the the, the blue line. It goes back beyond the forwards. This goes back to cleaning up the cesspool that was that locker room and getting all of or most of the garbage out and putting in people that are going to be effective and good and good teammates, right? Um I don't care if they win a playoff series this year. It doesn't concern me. I think they'll make it, and they could win, but I don't care about that. This team still needs centers, and I'm not talking about, well, it'd be nice. I'm talking about you need centers. You don't have two. You don't have a top two. Erickson Eck is a very good three, and if you're going when, to— When's the deadline? A week? Two uh, weeks? Yeah, but I, and I don't know they're going to do it now, and I would not pull the trigger on an irresponsible trade— for 2021, I would. That's a bad move. That's <laughs> a like, yeah. Sign me up. Mr. But that's not how we're doing. But here. that's not. But that's not how we win championships here at this show. We win championships through clear thinking, good moves, and step by step progress that is made oh, in a smart, economical way. Okay. April 12th, by the way, I thought it was middle of March. Okay, April so 12th. We got a month still. So, if I'm them, I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about the immediate and saying, man, are they there yet? Or they're not there yet. But what they are is they have taken significant steps. And this was an overhaul. Like this house had to be torn down. Like we didn't go in and slap some paint on the walls here. We tore down the Nino room. And then we're like, but the Zucker room has to go too. Well, how about the coil room? Oh man, the coil room has to go. How about the Granlin room? It's cute. No, it's not. Let's get rid of that too. (laughs) So this is all a work in progress. But it is a but I think that Bill Guerin knows what he's doing. He's seen championships. He's been a captain. He knows what the steps are. And the wild fill to your question to me is taking the correct steps. But this is not about and it shouldn't be. And the whole purpose, I think, of this show now is immediate gratification often results in disappointment. Right. Like if you're like, we got to win a championship now. This is great. Or, oh, the team's hot. Right. That's how you do things like get to 0-18 in the playoffs. What this team is doing, though, is it's progressing, and I think that there are tangible signs that aren't fluky. That was the previous wild problem, which was, oh, man, this is great, and in two weeks it's going to be done, right? Because mentalities weren't good, uh, approaches weren't good, roster construction was roster construction itself was awful. The players were good, but the construction of them was terrible. So that's why I believe that this team is firmly on the right track, but I am in no way telling our listeners right now that they are there or that the expectation immediately should be of huge success, but we are finally starting to see something that is tangible and it is partially because of how they're approaching it. I will say that with with this philosophy that sort of started on Purple Daily of Listen, everything we talk about through the prism of Purple Daily is based on the notion and the mission that we want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. 
And so when you think we're being hard on Kirk Cousins, no, you're not being hard enough on the most important position in sports and comparing it to the other teams that win Super Bowls, right? And so with the Vikings, I think it's been 60 years, and you could you could say the same thing about professional hockey in Minnesota. It's also been 60 years with no championships. I think we have to find some middle ground, though, so we're not constantly just mad at the teams for not winning championships. With the Vikings, you know what? It's time to go, and you got a highly paid quarterback. We're going to be hard on you. With the Wild, I think I, I think this is almost we're entering a period of celebration here, even if they aren't going to win a title for a couple of years. Like if they're on the right path Correct. and they're doing the right things, absolutely, we get to sort of celebrate the journey. To, and then, and then in like two years, when it becomes a little bit more, the expectations are higher. Okay, and then we maybe we'll, maybe we'll crank up the the pressure on you. But I am I feel like we're entering a period of of celebration here. They've finally sort of latched onto a couple of great young players. They might have a franchise goalie for the first time in a long time. And that's fun. They've got a superstar too. Yeah. No question. I mean, they, they've got two players who are outstanding, but Kaprizov is special and, and flat out for expectation. How many in the last 15 years, how many special players have we had in this town who have lived up to the billing and been special and paid no, I, that off? How many? I can do. I can do the other list. In fact, we're going to get to one of them on the show today. Right. And he's good. Tuesday. And he's good, but I wouldn't call him, but he doesn't play enough to be special. Not yet, at least. Yep. Yep. And by the way, uh, speaking of our philosophies here on these shows and our missions, one of our missions at Score North is to reward you guys, the listeners and the viewers, for those of you who are watching us on YouTube March is Score North's Pick Your Prize Month. And so get this, every day between March 8th and March 26th, so we just started yesterday, one person per day that opens the Score North app, which is free to download, Apple and uh, Android devices, one person every day will win a $100 bill. I don't, actually, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know if they <laughs> actually you mail you house? a $100 bill. <laughs> will you drive to their house and drop it off? Hey, here's, well, your, hundred, I- here's your $100 bill. Here's your $100 bill. I can tell you, now that I live 22 hours away, I will not be making that drive again, so you're going to do it <laughs> this time. Hey, you know what? You'll um, never see me again. Give me 10 grand. <laughs> I will carry 10 grand around. Hey, where's Judd? I, I haven't seen him for a week. <laughs> so uh, so today's $100 winner is our friend Anthony Valento. He actually lives in Wisconsin. So uh, so boo <laughs> if you're a Packers fan. Where in Wisconsin? Uh, Jess just told us uh, somewhere in like on the Minnesota. So he might be a Vikings fan. He could be. Yep. Okay. And so he's, he's now entered for the grand prize drawing, which is a $10,000 prize pack from one of our nine partners. You can find out all the information on the score North app, open the score North app, register and enter the pick your prize contest through the listener rewards. Um, Speaking of real quick, before we get to, I know you guys have been talking about, Daniil Hunter and Judd's been digging up information, and there's some more developments here, something we've been talking about for a long time. We'll get to that in a second. But um, speaking of making 22, 24-hour drives, so my wife and I went out. We made the drive to Seattle, which is our new home. Nothing changes on the show here other than we're just, like, in different locations, which we are for Ventline anyways. And I went into this thing monitoring the weather and because you're driving through mountains in Idaho and, and uh, Washington, right? And it's, you know, it can be white knuckle and the weather can be sporadic this time of year still, but the weather looked pretty good for the most part. So, all right, we can, here's our window where we can go make this drive. And I've always prided myself. I don't know what you guys, like you guys have also spent decades in Minnesota. Like I have prided myself on being a great winter weather driver, whether it's two wheel drive, four wheel drive, like bring it on. I can drive through anything. 
Um, just no- nothing's going to phase my driving abilities. And then I met mountain drivers in Idaho and Washington. And I can't tell if these people are idiots or if these people know something that I don't and that we don't in the state of Minnesota. Because I've always thought, like, if you live in Minnesota for long enough, you become mostly, like, adept at driving in any conditions. And really, there's nothing else that would phase you, right? We don't have mountains here. So it's like 33 degrees. We're going Mm -hmm. through some mountain range in, like, Idaho. And... It's snowing and sleeting up near the top of this mountain pass. I'm and done. So we're, we're, now we're starting to go downhill. I'm done. Like, Find you a know, motel. Like 30 degree angle downhill or whatever it is. Find a motel six and call it a night. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm driving at this point and I, I'm going like 55, between 55 and 65. The speed limits are like 75, 80. I'm going like 55 or 65 in the right lane, 10 and two, yep. just white knuckling. Oh my God. And these people, literally every car and semi-truck, we were the slowest drivers on the mountain. Every car and semi-truck was going no slower than like 70, 75. And some were going upwards of 100 miles an hour <laughs> downhill in sleet in 33 degrees. And I'm like, okay. Were they honking? Are, were they you? what? Like honking. Like honking uh, at oh. you to, to go quicker, to go faster. No. I didn't hear any honking, but there were definitely like people that would ride your butt and then like annoyed that you're going That's so what I'm slow. Saying. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. And weave around. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so, so I'm thinking a week, a week before, uh, a week before we made the trip on I-90 through Montana, there was a 45 car pileup in snowy conditions and people like there were people that had to jump off the bridge to avoid like getting hit by cars and stuff. It was just a massacre. And so we're like, Oh, that's, that's great. That's the stretch we're going to be driving on. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking either these people are idiots and they just don't know like how fast or slow they should be going. And that's the reason why there are 40 car pileups in different parts of the country, or they know something I don't about how safe it is to be driving 80 miles an hour downhill in sleet when it's 33 degrees outside. It's the former. Mm. It's the former. Yeah. They are, okay. they, they probably, <laughs> well, well, they probably do know exactly what they're doing, but that does not preclude them from being idiots. And then like, like two wheel drive vehicles. Like, what do you, what? Yeah, what I, they're, they're not, no, like you don't give them any credit. They don't know a thing except the fact if that they don't care. Cause the only thing I was thinking about is, yeah, I could, all right. These people are all going faster. Like I could go faster. All right. If, obviously like they're all going faster. So why can't I, but then I thought if you're wrong, you're that's dead. it. Yeah. yeah. You're dead. Like you, you don't, you don't get, <laughs> you don't get to kind of be so wrong. Like, if you're wrong, you're gone. So people in, in the pileup that you were talking about, people were bailing off the bridge, like cars would start to slide towards them and they jumped off the bridge. There was a story that like three people, Did they died. I don't, I don't know if they like got out of their cars or if they were like sideways and other, and other cars were like coming yeah, 70 don't miles out. an hour. And they knew if I stay in my car, I'm dead. Sure. And so oh, if wow. I jump off this bridge, I maybe break a leg. I don't think they died, but they like broke legs and stuff. I'd almost rather stay in my car at that point. Cause if you get hit, you're, you're done, but you would stay in your, you're so, in your so, car. So, yes. I so would stay, stay. Uh, unless my car like had a gas tank that, that was, was leaking and an exposed flame and was about to blow up. I'd prefer to be hit in my car than get out <laughs> and be hit on the road. Yes. It's safer. You've so got a better chance of survival. If you're, I don't know, man. Like, let's say, let's say there's a semi truck coming at you out of control at 75 miles an hour and they can't stop because it's too slippery and they're going downhill and your car is sideways because it's a pileup. Well, yeah. And then if I, yeah. and you're about to get T boned. 
Yeah, but it, what am I going to do? Get, get out? Hey, what's going on? Bang! I think you're. I think uh, you. I think what you have to judge is you're probably going to die regardless. What gives you the best chance of not dying and just probably being hurt? Yeah, I think I'm jumping off the bridge. I oh, think I'm are, you, off the, are you? Are you crazy? No, keep me in the car. I'm not jumping off no keep bridge. Me in the car. Well, Next, you're staying in the car. How far is the fall? Staying in the car. You're, go- how far you're is the going fall? to die. This, it's a semi truck. You're no. going to die. Break. I'll take the airbags. I'll take the safety. I'll take the no. It's. I'll put Tiger Woods Road of Recovery. I'll be okay. It's just going to be a long road. It's a know. tank. It's a tanker. And the driver of the tanker is smoking a cigar, and the tanker is already leaking, and it's about to hit your car, which is filled with jet fuel. I don't know why, but you're about to encounter the greatest explosion of all time. Dude, yeah. did you? What was that? This is probably before Declan's time, but what what was that Steven Spielberg movie about the semi truck chasing that guy? Duel. 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 It's Spielberg's first Dude. film. Dennis Weaver oh, nice. ver- versus a truck. That you never see the driver. You yeah, never dude. see. And he passes him going up a mountain. And the rest of the film is about the truck trying to kill him. That's what I felt like. You were in the duel. 22 hours. Spielberg, yeah. man. You should call Spielberg. Say thanks very yeah. much. Duel's great. So, so, duel is so good. Dex, this, it's, it's a genius. It's, it's literally there's, there's one guy. It's Dennis Weaver. And then there's no other characters in the movie other than just like standbys. And so it's like an hour and a half of. He's kind of road raging going up. They're going up a mountain and he's behind this semi truck and the semi truck's going too slow and he like wants to get by and he's all angsty and he honks at him and flips him off. And then the, the driver who we never see spends the rest of the movie trying to kill Dennis Weaver. <laughs> and like he'll pull off. He, he at one point pulls off and goes to like a rest stop and he thinks that the truck didn't see him pull off and it passes by. Oh my and God. then he gets back, of course, on the same road because you're just going to get back on that same road. And the truck like mysteriously pops up behind him. And at the end, he's driven so crazy. He's he's so nuts that he basically leads the truck on a high-speed chase to the cliff and watches it go off and blow up and laughs like a madman. And spoiler alert, I believe that is the end of the film. That's awesome. It is really good. It's it's a great film, and I'm glad that that Phil is trying to redo it. So hey, how do you uh, watch this? You ever seen Duel? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> oh my god, amazing! All right, Daniel um, Hunter takes. All right, so Daniel Hunter, you guys have you guys have been all over this in in my absence from the shows the last few weeks. Uh, Purple Daily for Daily Vikings conversations, Apple, Spotify, Score North app, and YouTube. And this Daniel Hunter trade take that I'm about to give you is presented by Whamatech. If you are listening or watching on a broken-down phone, tablet, or laptop, well, maybe it's time to break down and get a new one. You don't have to break the bank, though, because Whamatech is a trusted supplier of pre-owned phones, tablets, and laptops, and new accessories. They source pre-owned devices directly and pass the savings on to you. They'll even buy your old device for cash. So buy, sell, trade in, whatever you need. Keyword, trade, trade in. Oh, which is I like a it. good oh, piece yeah. of foreshadowing. I, I see what you're doing there. Find them online at whamatech.com. That's W-A-M-A-T-E-K.com. So wait, all right, wait, I'm just going to wait. Football. Oh. Necessary transition from the oh, new guy no. with the button bar. I see what's happening here. I am still a week away from having a functional no, button we're, bar. We're not. We aren't. Though. We aren't here. And Judd is now driving. Judd is now the semi truck driver in duel. Like, 
<laughs> just <laughs> barreling down the road. Uh, yep. I'm going to kill Mackie. I'm going to get him. <laughs> so, okay, boys. Um, a report surfaced yesterday that the Raiders are sniffing around Daniil Hunter. Jeb, before I give you my take, do you have any additional information on, on the Daniil Hunter situation that we should know of? So I, the additional information that I have that sounds like it's a potential is the Vikings of course, are going to stand firm, right? We're not trading him. What you know? What are you talking about, right? But they have gotten a few calls, and it sounds like a they got a call from an AFC team or two to, just to inquire. And a team that I looked up that has been starved for pass rush presence is a pretty good team, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. So consider them as at least a, an option. I, I think the Vikings are going to say all the right things about this, Phil. I also think that they are cognizant of the fact that a guy coming off neck surgery wants to be paid, and he might be right about this. He wants to be paid approximately twenty-seven to twenty-eight million dollars per season, and that's about ten million dollars more than Correct. his cap hit for two thousand twenty-one. Correct. So I've come to the conclusion, and as, as much as it pains me to say this on the on the Daniil Hunter front, if the Vikings aren't going to trade Kirk Cousins, and I still think they might then they need to trade Daniil Hunter. And I think when you start to deconstruct it, in a perfect world, you would have a highly paid quarterback that you fully trust in big spots, and then it would be easier to if you had to let Daniil Hunter go and trade him for first-round picks. Uh, where this is tough is I don't – I think Kirk Cousins is good. I don't think he's great. I think you can give him all the help that he needs. I still think he's the type of guy that's going to melt in the biggest moment for you on the biggest stage. But the Saints game – yeah, and that's awesome. Like, but how many times are we going to reference the Saints game and the Broncos game as like the tooth and the Jaguars that one time? You know, um, I, I, I think if you trade Daniel Hunter and and build your team around Kirk Cousins, you're going to have even more defensive problems. So I guess what I'm saying is, you should trade one of them for sure to give yourself some salary cap relief. But I would actually be more likely to trade Kirk Cousins and pay Daniel Hunter and cross my fingers that he comes back the same player that he was before. Okay. Because if I can have that type of a pass rusher, even though he might make $25 million a year, in theory, I would be getting either a better quarterback or a cheaper quarterback, and my roster would work better that way. But you've come to a point now, if Daniil Hunter really truly wants to get paid before he steps on the field again for the Vikings, that you have to trade either Kirk Cousins or Daniil Hunter probably in the next week or so. What do you guys think? All right, let me ask you this then, off of what you just said. Now, personally, I'd prefer to trade Kirk. Like, if I could trade, if, if you came to me, gun to the head, and said, you have to trade one of them today, i trade Kirk. But I'll ask you what I think is a very important question. What direction are you planning to go? Because if you trade Kirk, you're basically getting rid of the contract, and you might get a first-round pick back. But, I mean, I don't think that you're going to get what I would really consider to be a haul. So if it's just I'm trading Kirk, I think maybe a first-round pick, second-round pick. If I trade Daniil and I trade him to a team that's convinced that he's going to come back as he was, which was a guy who in 2018 and 19 had 14 and a half sacks each season, I'm probably going to get a haul. Like, I'm probably going to get a first-round pick, a second-round pick. I might get two firsts. I don't know. But I do think that if I trade him, I'm going to get more than I'm going to get for Cousins. So which intrigues you more as far as the potential for what you would get back to build? So th- this might sound crazy, and tell me if I'm wrong on this. 
I think if you commit to trading Neil Hunter, I think you're committing to a rebuild. Because I don't, I don't think your defense can get back to any level of respectability if you trade Neil Hunter and you don't like immediately fill that gap. You would be trading him for picks, and those picks might not come to fruition on the field for another couple of years. Yep. So if you, if you trade Neil Hunter, you are waving the white flag on the 2021 season, and you are you are officially no longer a contender. If you trade Kirk, think about the different possibilities here. Let's say you trade Kirk and you get a first or a second, and you use one of those picks on a defensive lineman that can make your defensive line if Daniil Hunter stays even more ferocious, right? Yep. The Vikings have already shown you that, and I'm not saying they're going to have the same defense as they did in 2017, but the Vikings have already shown you they can pretty much take any level of quarterback from Tavares Jackson to Christian Ponder to Teddy Bridgewater to Case Keenum, Mm -hmm. put that quarterback into a good offensive system with some weapons and and with a defense, and they can win 10 or 11 games. I think you have a better chance of contending if you trade Kirk versus trading Daniil Hunter in 2021. So if you trade Kirk um, right now, in the next two weeks, you would still take on a dead cap hit with cap going down, $41 I was going to look up what Hunter was. But my point is, I think that I think if you trade Kirk, that cap hit is so huge that I'm, I'm not sure that that you would have the flexibility that we're talking about to make moves. Uh, let's see if you trade Daniil Hunter in 2021 before June 1st. So, you know, let's say for the sake of the conversation within the next couple of weeks, the cap hit is 12 mil. So Hunter would allow you more flexibility than if he was traded for you to go out and do things. Kirk, and I guess, I guess, I guess you both ways, unfortunately. I guess what I'm saying is if you're looking at like a two or three year window, who's going to help you the most as a highly paid player on their side of the ball? And I get that quarterback is the more influential position and Kirk is a good quarterback. But to me, Daniel Hunter, if he's healthy, is more worth that money than Kirk Cousins is. I agree with that. Because Daniel Hunter is the is maybe the best at his position. If, Kirk is not. I agree. If if he comes back um as basically the player that he was previously, you're right. Here's my problem, though. I don't know, and I can't figure out beyond just short of the short term what the Vikings' plan is here. Like, I think the Vikings think that they're better than we think that they are, and I think that they think that, well, if Hunter comes back and Pierce comes back, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. I don't know why I buy that, and I don't know that they run their team. I just still, I just come back to the fact that I think that so many people there are pulling in different directions for what they think success is, Phil, that I'm not convinced that there is a that there is a coherent plan to go in the direction that we're talking about. So, like, I, I actually think that our discussions make a ton of sense. And if I thought the, that the Vikings were thinking in that way, but I think the Vikings sort of think, well, we're competitive. We, we always ordinarily are, right? And uh, we're going to get guys back and the division, you know, I mean, Green Bay's still good, but I always feel like the conversations internally with the Vikings include a, but, you know, but this will happen or, but that'll happen. And then if it doesn't, they're like, oh, too bad that didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, which goes back to, and granted it looked like a solid move, but it goes back to the thinking in the Ngakwe trade. The Ngakwe trade was a attempt of short-term sugar high trade. And I really believe, and this is a problem with how they think, I really believe that no matter what Hunter and his camp had told them, that they thought he's coming back. And like he was about to have neck surgery. 
Like, there was no way on God's green earth that if you had really sat down and done the harsh reality of what was to be in 2020, there is no way that you would have said, let's make this trade because Hunter is going to come back when the man ended up having surgery for a disc. Like, I think the Vikings think like the Vikings. The Vikings are, are to me, like the hopeful parents, right? Yeah, my kid's getting D's right now, but uh, Jimmy's going Jimmy's gonna to up that game of his. He's going to get B pluses in math. Well, no, he's not. He's a failure. It's okay. Sounds like my mom and dad, yeah. Yeah, but like I mean, just accept, who, just accept who your kids are. Yeah. Here, here's the other thing, too, that we've, we've sort of touched down, but I think in terms of winning a Super Bowl, one of the most important things, if you look historically, is you have to win like 12 or 13 games in the regular season, especially if you're an indoor team like the Vikings are. Mm-hmm. The Vikings historically playing on the road late mid-round, late-round playoffs. Like, when has that worked out? It doesn't. It doesn't work out when they play inside, but it gives you a better chance. If you want the Vikings to have the best shot at winning a Super Bowl, they have to be a 12-4, and 13-3, and 14-2 type team in the regular season. All right, so... How close are they to to that right now? Like people, so if you get a left guard, right, and if you do this over here, and by the way, like the like it was just announced today that Joe Thune is not going to be franchised by the Patriots, so he's he's going to become a free agent. So Joe Thune makes your offensive line for sure above average because now you're going to have one of the best left guards. You're going to have if Riley Reef stays, you're going to have an above average left tackle and a really good right tackle, um, and then Ezra Cleveland getting better. Like it's it becomes an above average offensive line with Joe Thune. Mm-hmm. Joe Thune costs like $15 million a year. You are negative $10 million right now, right? So how can you possibly make the tweaks and fixes necessary to this roster with Daniil Hunter and Kirk Cousins, both among the highest paid players at their positions? At some point, I get that the salary cap is fake to some people, but it's not. It's not <laughs> fake. Like Not that you, fake. You, you, can't, you can't be like, and the other thing is too, like with Anthony Harris, for instance, like the Vikings thought they were paying one of the best safeties in the NFL. As it turns out, he had a really good year propped up by Harrison Smith and a pass rush. And when you take a couple of those things away in 2021, guess what happens to Anthony Harris? He's not worth being one of the five highest paid safeties in the NFL. You can't be paying players top five money at their position if they aren't impacting the game 16 times every year. Daniil Hunter does. Yeah. I can't say the same about Dalvin Cook and about Anthony Harris and about Kirk Cousins, who are also among the highest paid players at their position. Dalvin Cook can as a a player, but again, this comes back to, and I feel like the Vikings don't do this enough. This comes back to a discussion of positional value. Like if Dalvin Cook played receiver or cornerback or something, he's unbelievable. And he's unbelievable at what he does. But what he does he is he is a, a a chef at a decent restaurant, but it ain't no Michelin, right? Yeah. Hunter is a chef who's been who's been appointed at a Michelin star restaurant. So that that's the point, and and that's where I feel like the Vi- I, I almost feel, and this goes back years now, like the Vikings so often operate on a year to year. Hey, let's not talk about you know they say oh we are always you know examining five years down. The road. That's fine. But look at their actions. Like, look at what they do. And and that's why I really thought, as good as he is as a player, why there was a discussion to be had about Cook. Like, like a discussion to be had about the position he plays, what Absolutely. he's going to do. How What what are your coaching staff's intentions? Because yep. if, if your intentions are, okay, second and 18, let's give her to Dalvin. 
That's not a good use of. I mean, I could give it to Madison. I could give it yep. to now. Now, now, if he's going to be Kamara, and let's split him out, and let's do this, and let's do that. Okay, I'm all ears. But how often do they do that? Yep. And I, and just a point of clarification, because I think like I said something a couple minutes ago, but I put Dalvin Cook on that list of of players that are are being paid top dollar, but they aren't impacting the game like a Daniel Hunter might. And when I say that, I think your first thought might be, well, what do you mean Dalvin Cook has Dalvin Cook is like the most impactful player offensively for the Vikings? And while that's true. I should amend it to say, if your goal is to go 13-3, and three, jamming it to a running back in 2021 <laughs> three, 30 times a game is not the optimal strategy to maximize your offense and to win 13 games, not in today's NFL. So, um, yeah, exactly, Rick. So he's like, he's amazing, and he's a super fun toy, but when you see Super Bowl winner after Super Bowl winner just literally using – like Garrett Blunt or random dudes that aren't making 10 or $15 million a year, it should tell you something. So just like final point, Daniil Hunter, listen, if somebody wants to give up two first round picks, it's definitely a conversation. What's your trade? Um, like what, what is, what do you want back? Two first round picks. If what? someone gave me two first round picks, I would, I would have to sit there and say, all right, well, maybe with one of those, now we have three first round picks. With one of those, I'm going to get an edge rusher and hope that that player can be 75% of what Daniel Hunter is as quickly as possible for a lot less money. And then maybe the other two first-round picks help me bolster important positions. Maybe they help me trade up for a quarterback. I don't know. But I'm just saying, if you're trading Daniel Hunter for two first-round picks, you ain't going to do anything meaningful in 2021. So yeah. you, might as well just, you might as well just go all in, like trade everyone. If you're going to trade Daniel Hunter, you should trade Kirk Cousins and just start over. That's my thought. No, maybe I'm too. You're so, ne- you're so negative. So negative. You're so negative. Too negative. Why don't you? You know what? You are. No, no, no. This team's in great shape. This team's in fantastic. I, I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah. I think like here's one more thing on this, and then we'll because Dex has to review the the Bachelor uh, fantasy suite. It did not. It did not do well on Twitter last night. By the way, what didn't do well on Twitter last the, night? The Bachelor got panned on Twitter. Well, because it was. I'll say. I gotta save it. Okay. All right. I'm just telling I you. Don't save it. Lo- save it. A lot of people it. upset. God. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. What were we talking about? Daniil Hunter. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I had a hammer take there. Oh, two first round picks. I don't know. I'm sure it was something revolutionary that I was about to say, but yeah, I think, I think if someone knocked and said, here's two first round picks, it would, it would be a conversation for sure. But then you're, then you're basically in, um, in rebuild mode real quick. Our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company are helping your business, Minnesota, uh, and Federated have been a match for business owners for over a hundred years, and they've recently launched My Shield, the online client destination for risk management resources. So, if you're a business owner, how helpful would it be for you to have employee training at your fingertips, industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success? That's where My Shield comes in. You can get registered today on FederatedInsurance.com or download the app. And uh, remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. You guys want to do a little quick Twins Tuesday action here? Oh, of course. Let's do it. Of course. Twins, middle of spring training. Um, on TV today. How much, time, how much time have you guys spent on on Byron Buxton potentially wanting a new contract? We have not. Is this the first time? Okay. Yep. So Byron Buxton uh, reportedly, and he's even sort of just spoken publicly about, it'd be nice to get a contract extension, et cetera. And my first thought when I started catching up on some of the weekend sports news and, and saw this was, boy, 
aren't we all in the same aren't we all in the same bin here Byron the twins the fans that we would all love after six years of Byron Buxton in the major leagues we would all love to have a better idea as to whether he's worth a contract extension or not like isn't it amazing for you guys this dude's this dude's 27 years old now he's been in the major leagues for six years this is gonna be year seven for him mm-hmm. and we're all kind of sitting here still thinking hmm should we get married like is this a guy that we want around for the next four to five years? The fact that we've learned almost nothing about him other than, well, he's got a lot of potential. He's fast. And when he's hot offensively, he can carry you. But I don't know. Injuries are a question. Mm-hmm. We've been saying the same thing for probably eight years with Byron Buxton. And I find that amazing. Would you guys entertain like a four-year contract extension taking him into his early 30s? I absolutely would. But here's the key. It's on my terms. I'm not going to sign him. So, so the the one good thing about the fact that he has had uh, so much trouble staying on the field is he has no question lessened his value to me. But that being said, I've also seen enough to know that when he can play, he is a very effective player. But now we, if you know he's going to get an extension and we're going to talk contract, we have to meet in the middle of that. So it can't be, uh, oh boy, we're going to pay you on uh, you know four years of potential. That's not how this works now. Byron, I'm sorry about that. You can't stay healthy, and it's proven. And by the way, what hurts him is there is no now magic elixir to keeping him healthy. Like, yes, he crashes into fences, and yes, it would help if he didn't. But I'll go back to last year in the training camp that they held in July. He chased a fly ball in basically a scrimmage and mysteriously twisted his ankle and was lost for weeks again so he get he finds ways to get hurt so i would definitely sign him i would definitely sign him to a long-term extension but it has to be on my terms too so i what i'm not i'm not going to reward him for what might be i'm going to find a way to reward him and give him security but it has to it also has to be fair to what i'm doing because when you get hurt as much as he does I see no reason to assume that he won't continue to miss significant time. You just, I think you just nailed it. And that, and this is what sucks for baseball players is you're, you're, you don't really get to make money your first six years in the major leagues based on how good you are. It's, it's a suppressed system for baseball players. Their first six years of team control and the first three years of team control, you're making $500,000 a year. I think it's up to like Mm $600,000, which sounds great for normal, common everyday people. But you know, imagine like in, in in the NBA, most of the really good players are first round picks and they're at least like they're playing on these multi-million dollar contracts out of the gate, right? Well, a lot of the really good players in baseball were not first round picks. There's 50 rounds in the major league draft. And so now Byron Buxton got a nice little six or seven million dollar signing bonus when he was a rookie. So he's fine. But so I empathize that the players when they hit free agency would like to get paid for lost time. Like, all right, I just Mike Trout, right? I was the most productive player for you for $500,000 for a few years and won a couple of MVP awards. Now you're going to pay me $40 million a year with Byron Buxton. You can't pay him based on the ideal pie in the sky version of him. You have to pay him based on what he is and what he is after six years is an interesting, good. Uh, he's a great defensive player when he's on the field, but he's a good complimentary piece to your roster. He's not a centerpiece to your roster as an overall player. Cause he's not reliable enough. And I think offensively, when you start to talk about potential versus reality, 
the fact that he's played in like 450 career major league games, 1,500 career major league plate appearances, and has a 289 on base percentage is very telling. And I went and looked up just the last 20 years of major league baseball players that have had at least 1,500 plate appearances. And he has one of the 15 lowest on base percentages over that essentially era of baseball. And most of the guys on that list are like backup catchers that just like they're not there for their offense. They're like Drew Butera, right? They're all the great game there. <laughs> could, really could really block the ball. Yeah. So I would be interested in having him around until he's 30 or 31. Yeah. But you also have to keep in mind once players in all sports hit the ages of like 26, 27 going forward, speed starts to erode. Kirby Puckett moves to right field. Torrey Hunter moves to right field. Like that starts to happen. Andrew Jones, your speed starts to go away in your late 20s and your early 30s. Now, he'll still be one of the fastest players in the game, Mm -hmm. even if he loses 25% of his speed. But don't pay for the same attributes that were there when he was 23 when he's 30 because they're not going to be there in the same way. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't do do that. And if if a guy is going to get paid at this point, it's probably going to be if, if he deserves a Barrios which I would do, especially if he has a good year. Uh, but, yeah, Buxton has been, and, and that goes back to my point about how many how many guys in the last 15 years in this town have we been excited about? And we've said this is a, this is a superstar. Like, this is the next guy. This is the next guy that everyone's going to have a, a, a Buxton jersey. Sano, Towns, I can go through the entire list. Teddy. Um and we don't get that. I, I mean, we still get good at times, and, and they're exciting, and that doesn't make them bad players, but we never get the payoff. And, I mean, the payoff for Buxton was supposed to be this guy who could play every day, phenomenal. By now, he, he'd be hit, hitting, what, first or third or something like that. Um, gold glove upon gold glove. Like, the gold gloves were a given. Like, th- those were just going to follow the, the fact that, you know, let's say he played in a, a hundred and... 45 games. So the disappointment there is big, but the but the one payoff for it that the Twins get is I think that Buxton is going to be forced to sign a very fair deal, which is which is great and I'm fine with, but I don't think there's anybody in their right mind now who's going to say that we'll continue to pay you on potential because mm-hmm. you can't. God, batting him ninth was supposed to be, all right, so we Oh, it's a slow gonna, transition. Give me comfortable. Yeah. It's like seven years later, and he's still batting ninth. And I'm a Buxton guy. I think, I think defensively alone, he's worth having around, even if he's just you know not getting on base and striking out all the time. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing that going into his seventh year in the major leagues, and we're sitting here like, oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I guess, guess we'll hey, find out. Phil, both your star, both your in air quotes star players are the exact same way. The first baseman's the same. Like we don't. Oh, I, or, or I know more or about him done. than I know about Buxton. Or, but or you're just done. But that's the sad thing. Like that's the scary thing. Would you give Byron Buxton four years, sixty million? That was on the table. It's, it, 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 it's so hard to answer because there's not a salary cap, and so it's like, on one hand, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, right. On the other hand, okay, well, what budget are they operating within, and will it prevent them from? You know, signing a free agent or something. So you're saying four years, sixty. So mm-hmm. is that the, it's like twelve so and a half? Fifteen. It's like a little. Yeah, I think 15. it's like fifteen or so. It's fifteen. Yeah, I would. Um, I think that would be fair. But to Phil's point, I think it's very important then to sit down with your books and say, what would this stop us from doing? Yeah. Here, here's the, the other thing too is like, and this is more of a, a twins benefit. 
there still is the upside and the potential of him being like an, a guy who gets MVP votes. Of course. Like he, th- th- that player exists. And right. so I'm not saying you have to completely ignore his potential. Right. But what, 15, 15 million sounds fair. I, I would probably do that. But I mean, we are to the point now and it's not his fault. I get that. He can't stay healthy. Like it's nothing to do with he wants to. I think he works hard. I think he's wired. I, I think he's wired great. Like he's a tough kid, tough competitor. Um, I think he works damn hard to make himself a good baseball player. So, like, there's nothing here with him being Miguel-like where you're like, yeah, dude, do you really want this? I can't really tell. No, he can't stay healthy. And go back and look at the injury history. It's unbelievable. Like, I think we all think, well, if you just quit crashing into walls, and yes, that's dumb. But I'm talking about you twist your ankle. You get, I mean, the Friday night game against the Reds last year. You mysteriously, like for no reason, because it's just a fluky thing, get hit in the head and get a concussion. Like you find <laughs> ways. See, it it yeah. follows you around like pig pen. Like it's just this weird, it's just this weird dynamic. But it is, but at some point in time, it's not just flukes, right? Like at some point in time, it's just, what the hell? Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. It's a... Uh... It's interesting. Are you guys ready for uh, for an episode here of Dex Reviews? Oh, I'm ready. To wrap up this Tuesday episode. I of Mikey am, because I think I have questions about this. Oh, and by the way, if you don't enjoy this, it's a podcast. Just go past it. That's fine. And now, Phil Mackey updates Judd Zolgad on the latest happenings from The Bachelorette. Now, I want to preface this by saying... I have not seen, this is the second time all season where I have not seen the episode oh, that Dex is going to review. So ran into a little bit of a snafu with with uh, YouTube TV, like had to do a couple things to make sure that, like it was blocking my access to the YouTube, local Minnesota channel. still can't escape YouTube, t- YouTube TV problems. Although I did last night. It's very exciting. It's easier for me to watch Minnesota sports games as a YouTube TV subscriber outside the market. So <laughs> dude, the First thing I did when I got here was like all the all right MLB NHL NBA like let's rock this let's go month to month on the winter sports and then we'll go full season on Major League Baseball package so screw you Sinclair and your <laughs> you're three. outside you had to leave the state to get what you needed all right so uh, so Declan I'm I'm willing to be uh, to be spoiled here you have okay. sixty seconds on the clock to review and summarize fantasy sweet week mm-hmm. on the Bachelor all right here we go. So, Michelle gets the first night alone in the fantasy suite, but first, Matt brings his dad on, and Matt calls him out for leaving him as a kid, and there's some obvious tension between the two. It was very awkward. Eventually, they find a common ground before Matt heads the fantasy suite weekend. While he's with Michelle, they go on a spa day, and I'm not kidding, they rub each other with butter and milk. It was one of the most vile and least romantic things I have ever seen. Anyway, they spend the night together, and Michelle tells Matt she's in love. While he's with Bree, Matt and Bree go camping, and they discuss their issues that they both have with their dads, but they spend the night together, too. Finally, it's Rachel's turn, everyone's favorite horrible person, and she's all upset because she's the last one to go. They do a ceramic state. She's not having it because she's upset that she was the last to go, but she tells them that she's ready for marriage, and they end up spending the night together, and there's fireworks going off as the camera goes to commercial. Interesting. As the episode concludes, Michelle gets the first rose, moving on to the finals, and horrible Rachel gets the last rose. Bree gets sent home, so the final edition is Michelle and Rachel. And write Maggie that down. Gets a, and Maggie write that gets down. Write that down, home run. Write that right. down. So you got it. Right. Okay. Can we go back to wait, the? Wait, 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 okay, wait, wait. So what's, what, what's her home run? That Michelle wins. 
No, I had I had the final that. two. The final oh, two. Oh, did you have that? Michelle well, you did, and you did have Michelle winning, which is a home run, and that was after the first week. So, so there's, yeah. there's potentially two bombs on the table. So here. it's not done. It's done now, or it's not done. Mm-mm. No, it's we're out of the we're into the finals here. Final, final two. two. Okay. Yep. Edina, Michelle, Judd, uh, and racist Rachel. So, do you, Judd, have you ever? We've never talked about what they do when they get down to two. They fight to the death, and whoever's still alive gets to marry the bachelor. It's crazy. And one lives. That's too bad. <laughs> okay, I have a question about the. So you said Michelle's date with Matt. Yes, the we, bachelor. We have to discuss this. They were rubbing what on each other? Butter and milk. So what happens if you're like, let's say Michelle is lactose intolerant? She would have broken do up. They, do they ask, Wait. or do they just did they listen? Hey, uh, you're going to be rubbing dairy all over yourself. Where they so. where they rub it? Like all over their each other's bodies. Like like like. All over each other's body, even to the point. They, how many? How much? How much clothing? Uh, they were in like swimsuit attire. They're in a swimsuit attire. At first, they were like soaking their feet in like the weird milk stuff. But then my consultant looked up soy. the spa, like the actual spa where they were at. There's nothing that has butter or milk in the spa, like treatments or or amenities. So this was definitely, I think, a producer thing. It had to have been a producer thing. Some producer with a weird fetish. Oh, let's uh, let, 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 let's let's rub each other butter and milk. Like that is the most vile thing I've ever heard. And I'm all about like treating yourself, doing a spa day. But butter and milk, I want nothing to do Definitely. with that. Don't rub that on me. I do like. Have butter. you ever have you ever rubbed a food item on uh, a young like uh, lassie? I have not. I I you know no. There's a lot of firsts that whipped I'd like cream? to accomplish, but no, that's not no one whipped of them. cream for you, Dex. No, no. Oh no. yeah, did you get that sucker out there? <laughs> yeah. No. Spray it all over. Plus, it's good. No, no. What? No. 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 <laughs> hey, honey, I'm home. Listen, honey, you can't have a pie without Cool Whip. Cool Whip. <laughs> oh Listen, God. Cool Whip is perfect, man. It's good on everything. And Judd means everything. everything. Oh, God. Dude. I'm all about The all Bachelor right. now. Gross. Yeah, like a little, Amazing. Little all right, well, Declan... Uh, Great job with your with your review there. Dex reviews every week here on the show. And I think we should motion. Uh, we, we we slowed down the pace of Judd reviews wrestling. But I think we should bring one back next week. The, All right. Yeah. We said the pipe bomb, the CM Punk pipe CM bomb. CM Punk pipe bomb. Okay. CM Punk pipe bomb. I Judd explains you. wrestling Judd, okay. do you next have, Tuesday. Um, do you have Peacock? Yes. Because WWE Network transitions to Peacock here in a couple weeks. I do have it. So if you're from, a peak, from Fox or where? Uh, no, if like WWE Network was its own, its own oh, entity. Oh, it's gone. And, and McMahon sold it for an, an insane amount of money to Peacock, and um, so now they'll have the exclusive rights. Peacock's pretty good, and and it's I it's, do enjoy it. The only thing I'm 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 tempted about service. because even I was I was about to text you Phil yesterday. I was on a binge of 1998 Survivor Series when Rock wins his first mm. U.S. Uh, first uh, major title against uh, Mankind in the, in the finals. And I'm really, they're saying the, the backlog catalog is going to take a little bit to catch up to Peacock. And if I'm not able to watch a Raw episode from November of 1997, I'm going to be very upset. I'm going to be very, should, very upset. Honestly, as they load their backlog in, they should just start with everything from 1997 through like 2003. Exactly. And then forget about the rest. Yeah. All right. That's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd. And uh, don't forget, Daily Vikings Conversations on Purple Daily. And you can find all of our content, one central hub, on the Score North app, free to download Apple and Android devices. We'll see you guys tomorrow.